Hello, freaky people, and welcome back to the Handy Mandy podcast. I have a very special little episode for you this week. I know I skipped a week. It's just going to happen. I hold myself to high standards, whatever. Moving on. Um, My little mini episode for you this week is I had a short, fun conversation with a kink coach and educator. So I asked her a bunch of questions, questions that I get from you guys a lot about kink um, and questions that I just personally had. And I got a little too excited and asked questions that definitely cannot be put on the internet about myself. So there might be like gaps in the recording. That's just when it got too personal and I took it out. Also, the audio quality is not perfect because it's recorded from Zoom. So forgive me. But before I go over to that, I just wanted to give an update (laughs) because the last episode, I said that I would have to do a mock therapy session with my parents. Um, I got a case study and I needed them to be my clients and I would give them like a 15 minute session and it was very uncomfortable. We all secretly had like some kind of alcohol off screen that we all like drank once it was over, but it went pretty good. I like managed to therapize them and I got a hundred on it. Um, it was not fun. I was blushing the whole time, but it went well. So if I can give sex therapy to my own parents. I can give it to anybody. I'm ready. Put me in coach. Give me that degree. Let's go. But anywho, I'm not sure if I'm going to switch from an episode every week to an episode every two weeks just because like your girl is falling apart. So I'm just like super overwhelmed trying to like do everything that has to get done in my life right now. But I'm going to see how I feel, feel out the next couple of weeks and just see what I can do realistically without losing my mind. Without any further ado, I am going to throw it over to past Amanda and meeting with a kink coach. So I am here with Anaya, my favorite kink content creator. And I'm just here to ask her all of my own burning questions, but also get her opinion on and like expertise on the world of kink. I feel like our work overlaps a little bit. If I'm the banana pepper of sex, she's the habanero. So, um, Anaya, why don't you just tell us about yourself and um, the work that you do? Yeah, I'm a sex and kink coach and educator. Um, I specialize in kink, but I help people with all different issues surrounding sexuality. Generally, I hate, I help people gain tools and information that will help them meet their sexual intimacy and relationship goals. Nice. So how did you, I guess this is the question that I get asked a lot, just because we're in an interesting field, but how did you kind of find this passion or this career and like know that you wanted to do this? To be honest, it actually started when I was in university studying for fashion design. Um, I took a class on human sexuality. It was a required behavioral science class and I just fell in love with the subject. Um, I 
saw the way that my professor talked about sexuality and I kind of realized that there was a gap in the field and that people were still stigmatizing all different aspects of sex and sexuality. Um, so I wanted people to have a place where they could come and learn about sexuality without worry about judgment or shame. Mm -hmm. I had a very similar experience with sexuality studies classes at my school too. That's also what helped me kind of narrow down what I wanted to do with my life. Um, so did you stick with design or did you like switch and go full, full sexuality at, at that point? Yeah, towards the end of my class, I ended up sitting down with my professor and talking about the different options that we had for my career path. And I ended up deciding on the psychology side of it. I wanted to help people to learn more about sexuality. I wanted to help people in a one-on-one -on -one setting. And I thought that that would be the best way for me to start to destigmatize and help people learn more about sexuality and kink. Yeah, we have so that that's so crazy. We have very similar stories. So are you, you're a kink coach through the sexual health alliance? Is that I don't really know a ton about their like certification processes or anything. So like what what kind of training did you have to do? Yeah, so I have a degree in psychology, and then I did get certified through the Sexual Health Alliance. They have a lot of really awesome different programs. The one that I specifically took was the Sexuality Consulting Certification. Um, I think that the term sex coach is actually um, trademarked. That's the word. Somebody like trademarked the word sex coaching. And so that's why most places don't use the word sex coaching and instead use sex consultant that's why Shaw uses sexuality consultant instead okay gotcha so I, I mean just where I'm at in my journey like I'm in grad school I'm going sex therapy um, but I'm thinking about specializing in kink because it's a community that I'm a part of I'm a I call myself a kink baby so like I love all of the underlying, you know, values and theories, um, but I don't know the full range. So what do you see most people like that you work with or that you've learned about? Like, what are the most common reasons that people would seek out a kink coach? Yeah, I see people for all different kinds of reasons. Sometimes people come to me when they have shame about their interests, when they want to learn how to navigate their alternative lifestyles, their alternative relationship styles, or if they want to learn the how-tos of exploring kink. Um, the most common client I think that I see are people who are in relationships and have a kink that they're nervous to talk to their partner about, and they just need to learn how to communicate those needs with their partner. I just have to pause and say, Amanda, in editing here, um, sincerely apologize for the ding. I couldn't mute my laptop notifications because I was recording, so I apologize to her. Sorry if that blew out your eardrums. Okay, bye. That, I mean, that's, that's probably what I would have guessed. I know for me personally, it took an embarrassingly long amount of time to even, like, accept my own kinks and start telling partners. So like, what is your, I guess, advice for those people that know that they have the kink, but have enough shame, like just by themselves, but also to, to want to bring it up to their partner, but not feel comfortable enough. Like, how do you kind of start that process? 
I normally start by having somebody look at the reason that they have shame about their interests and seeing whether or not it is like an internal thing, whether it has to do with the fact that that they genuinely don't want to participate in that kink or whether they have like personal values that are getting in the way or whether it has more to do with societal expectations about that kink or uh, the idea that that kink is inherently wrong or bad to have. And generally we find that clients are not actually ashamed of their kinks for their own reasons and their own ideas. It's normally because of the societal issues that are surrounding it. Right. So it's not so much that the kink is bad. It's that everyone else's reactions to the kink are bad. Gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, I mean, how frequently do you see people come in with kinks that they feel are like dirty or weird or like that they try to suppress? It's pretty common for people to suppress their kinks and to feel like their kinks are dirty or wrong for some reason or another. And it is really common for people to go a really long time without talking to somebody about it or without bringing it up to anybody because they feel shame about it and they feel like they shouldn't talk to somebody about it. And a lot of times what it happens is when they do have a partner that is supportive of them or when they do see somebody like a sex and kink coach who's talking about the normalcy of these kinks and interests, um, and that's when they're able to change their stance about it. That's when they're able to better like talk about it and be open and um, share their needs with their partners. And do you feel like when people kind of start that, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a healing process, but it kind of is. You're healing a part of yourself that like you've rejected or suppressed. Can you see like a change in just their overall like happiness and satisfaction? Like, what is it like to watch somebody go from timidly seeking out help to being like a fully like embodied, like sexual person? Like just, I just want to know like what the, the process for you is like, what changes you see in people? Yeah, generally um, being able to be open about your interests, whether it means to your partner, whether it's just in general and wanting to be comfortable with your interests it can change a lot of things. It can make you feel more confident and therefore have more confident interactions, more confident communication, more fluid and comfortable communication. When you're more confident in yourself, you're able to attract people around you who are more confident and who are more comfortable with who they are. And yeah, it can change a lot of things. Sometimes people can get obsessive over their certain kink because of the fact that they're not acting on it, because of the fact that they're suppressing it and spending so much time thinking about how they don't want to feel it. And it can become kind of an obsession. And being able to let go of that can create like a sense of freedom that lots of people aren't able to have. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And when you talk about like attracting others that are also like confident and specifically confident in their sexuality do you see people that like are embracing their kink do most people then like join the wider kink community or is it more of just an individual preference for some people whether or not people want to explore their kinks in like community or whether or not they want to just do it individually in their personal lives and behind closed doors is definitely a personal preference 
I can't say that there's more people who are interested in exploring in the community or more people who are interested in exploring behind closed doors because it definitely could depend from person to person. And everyone generally that enjoys kink enjoys it in their own ways. And that's one of the things I love the most about kink is the fact that it's such an individual experience Mm -hmm. and everyone can create it in whatever way that they want. And that's like what I spend so much time preaching is the fact that kink is what you make of it. And as long as everybody is consensual, as long as you're communicating, then you can make it into whatever experience you want to make it into. I love that. Yeah, it's definitely like individual and some people might enjoy being a part of the kink community. Some people might enjoy play parties or meeting up with people in a vanilla setting while others might not enjoy that at all. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like the like the guardian angel that takes people <laughs> that like are afraid to start and kind of transition them into that. Yeah, I definitely want to help people to get from where they are to where they want to be. That's definitely my goal. I love that. So I'm just thinking about like the questions that I get most frequently, which are, I'm into hot wife porn or I'm into mostly it's like more like non-monogamy things that people are ashamed of. So what would you recommend? Like, obviously see a kink coach, people can like reach out to you, but what do you recommend to kind of get the, the process started of working with somebody and then also bringing in their partner? I know it's like obviously different for everyone and a very complex, you know, process, but what would be your advice to those people that are open enough to tell people like us, like professionals that they follow, but are afraid to really start enacting it in their lives? Yeah, I definitely recommend them taking some time to look into themselves and see like what exactly it is that they want from it. I think sometimes people just enjoy watching the pornography and don't enjoy the actual act of whatever they're talking about. I think there's like a lot of factors that go into putting things into action as opposed to watching pornography. And I would generally recommend that people look into the idea of monogamy and where it comes from and the fact that some animals most animals are actually non-monogamous and we for whatever reason have adopted this idea of monogamy and the idea that non-monogamy is wrong and that all of these different things are somehow cheating even though in reality that's not what it is when consent is happening Um, And when it comes to talking to your partner, I generally recommend to my clients to make sure that your partner is in a space to hear and listen to you and not that you're jumping it, uh, surprising them with it or that you're telling them all out of the blue that you have this interest and um, that they're not ready to hear you. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. That makes sense. And I think a lot of that, you know, sends you down a spiritual awakening rabbit hole of like what are gender norms and what are these like institutional ideas that we don't really critically think about until it personally affects us how would you encourage people to dispel some of their biases that's a big question I'm so sorry solve all of the world's problems (laughs) I think that in general um 
people have this idea in their head because of these societal expectations. And I think like looking at those societal expectations and what they are and where they come from can be like a really great start and like doing research and finding that more than half of people in the world have these kinky fantasies and have some kind of different interest that is like outside the norm or outside of what society expects as far as like sexuality goes and the fact that we also don't know a lot of times what goes on behind other people's closed doors and we just have this idea that everybody fits in some perfect box and I think adapting the idea that nobody fits in a box and that we shouldn't be trying to put ourselves into a box and we should let ourselves have different interests in and out of the bedroom that are not exactly what other people would expect can be like a really great great way to start that that growth and that communication with yourself about uh, sexuality and uh, stigma and biases and internalized biases and societal expectations and all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a lot to to dive into, and it, I mean, in sexuality studies classes, they they start with, you know, that hard self work and it's a journey for sure. But I think once you realize how fragile and unrealistic those boxes are, it's a lot easier to just kind of dismiss them. Like you might fit into a label, you might not, but they're all just things that we make up to try and understand other people. Yeah, exactly. Now I have personal like curiosity questions. Is non-monogamy considered part of like the kink umbrella because I've seen arguments for yes and no that it's a deviation from like what the norm of sexual behavior is in our culture but it doesn't always mean that there's elements of BDSM or anything other than vanilla sex involved so what is kind of your I guess what training do you have on that do you consider non-monogamy or polyamory to be like part of kink? I don't necessarily consider non-monogamy or polyamory to be a part of kink. I do work with non-monogamous and polyamorous clients. And a lot of times people do get it confused and like have this idea in their head that like, if you're polyamorous, then you have a specific kink for that. And that's not always the case. However, you can have a kink that includes non-monogamy as a part of it. And in that case, it would be like a kink. I suppose. But um, in general, non-monogamy and um, polyamory does not necessarily put you in the realm of kinky or having a kink. Non-monogamy is just an idea of relationship style that is outside of the norm. And although that is definitely um, the definition of a kink, it's not in the realm of sexuality. It's a relationship style. So in that way, it's different than a kink. Okay, gotcha. Because I know for some like mainstream porn, cuckolding and swinging, even like three ways and things like that to most people would be considered kinky. But in that case, I feel like it's more fetishized. I don't even know where I'm trying to go with this. (laughs) I think that fetishization is different than kink in, um, in that the fact that like when somebody has a fetish, it generally means that they are specifically interested in an object or um, an idea that is like 
it's again outside of the norm, but it's generally something that they want more frequently within their intimate intimacy. And um, it is, it's not the same as like having a kink for having group sex or something along those lines. But yeah, it's not in the realm of kink or uh, fetishization to be interested in like having three ways in your relationships or being monogamish. Um, kink and relationship styles are two different things. And so unless you specifically have like a kink for group sex and you're interested in doing that, and that's like a big part of your sexual interest it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a part of your relationship style or something that you want in your relationship so they're two different things and they definitely stand independently of each other and someone could even be monogamous and be interested in group sex and that might mean that when they're in a relationship they don't participate in group sex or maybe they just talk about it or fantasize about it in their relationship so so you can't really like assume I guess I should have asked this at the beginning. I think I, in one of my previous episodes, I defined like the difference between kinks and fetishes because people use them interchangeably and they're very much not the same thing. Um, So could you just like quickly describe the differences that you would want like the world to know? Yeah, a kink is just the idea of something that is outside of the norm of sexuality. And that does get a little bit complicated because now that we're kind of getting more confident in expressing our kinks and now that us as a society are starting to be more accepting and understanding of what kink is and bringing it into the bedroom and we're realizing that more people are kinky than we ever thought, um, it does get a little bit complicated. But as far as a fetish, it's generally when somebody has an interest in a specific body part or object. So it might be a foot fetish is a fetish. Um, Somebody might have a fetish for shoes, somebody might have a fetish for latex, um, and that would be more of a latex, whereas a kink is more of an action or something along the lines of something somebody does in, in the bedroom or outside of the bedroom to gain pleasure. Gotcha. So, because the way that I understood it was like, a kink is something that you like to do, whereas like a fetish is something that you kind of have to do to get pleasure it's kind of an old idea to say that somebody has to do something in order for it to be classified as a fetish Mm -hmm. Um, just because somebody has a fetish doesn't mean that they need to do it every time in order to gain sexual pleasure that's what we've kind of been like uh, differentiating on the dsm is the idea that a fetish now uh, a paraphilia I think is what paraphilia yeah is only um defined by it causing somebody distress and them being like incapable of enjoying their life without it Mm -hmm. um whereas like a fetish is just something that people do um for fun that they can enjoy it um it can get to a point where they're not thinking about other things but those are more extreme cases and that's not the common norm of the situation the more you know. I need to inquire with my professor about that textbook then because, I mean, it was probably from like 2013 or something, but they need an update. See, this is why I like talking to people that know more than me because I get like the base level because like with therapy, you're covering so many different topics and possible like identities and communities and things, um, but I don't get to dive really deep too often. Can you tell our friends, the people where they can find you, how to reach out to you, anything you want to self-promote. Yeah, um, 
You can find me on my social medias at Pretty in Kink CC. That stands for Consent and Communication. And you can also find me on my website, prettyinkink.org, uh, where you can fill out a request for coaching if you're interested in coaching. Yeah. So everyone that's been DMing me asking for help, go over there. She's got you. She'll she'll take care of you. Thank you so much for joining me. And hopefully this is the first conversation of many. I feel like there's so much we all need to learn. Yeah. See you on Instagram. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Oh, so cute. I love having these conversations with other sexperts, I guess. I did one with Mia from Talk Taboo, Dr. Tara from Love Bites. This one, I have a few others that I'm planning for or have in the works, but I was kind of saying this, but I cut myself off. I, when you're learning to be a sex therapist, first you have to learn how to be a regular therapist. And then you learn about like all these different topics of sexuality, which a lot of them are medical related just because that's the world that we live in. So I get to learn a little bit about everything and I don't always get to dive in super deep. So talking with these experts, like experts on kink, experts on religion and spirituality, I'm just so grateful for it. Something kind of fun and serendipitous happened. I have my final for this course next week. And so this week I have to come up with a topic, get it approved, find my sources, whatever. And I was like, what am I possibly going to write this 10 page paper on? Like I have no ideas in my head. And I checked my email and this lovely gentleman emailed me with a perfect prompt for this assignment. Um, So pretty much I'm going to take his email and use it as my case study, write my paper around it, and then come on the podcast and explain in podcast format pretty much what I came up with. I think you guys are really going to like it. I'm going to get double permission with him, but he gave me permission to use as long as it's anonymous, which it will be. So stay tuned for that. I'm excited. And... (laughs) Not to brag, but I am up for two scholarships at my school. I think I can only get one of them. Um, But both of those application essays are due by the end of this week. So I think I'm going to write my essays about how what I'm learning in school is feeding into the community and how the community is feeding back into school. And that's what I've always wanted to do. Like, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully I get the scholarships because your girl needs some help. Yeah, I'm going to put off answering a question until next week because the entire thing will be about answering a question. So go follow me on Instagram, handymandy919, TikTok if you want. Um, If you turn on automatic downloads on this podcast, wherever you're listening, saved, automatic, favorites, whatever it is, please do that. Feel free to leave me a review. Um, Just be nice. Uh, Yeah, and you're welcome. Peace.